Hey, what up, Long Beach? Welcome back to the LBP Show, the one and only podcast featuring the one and only Long Beach State Athletics Director, Andy Fee. As always, this show is hosted by the562.org, which is myself, JJ Fiddler, and to my left, Mike Arabasio. New episodes of the LBP Show dropping every other Tuesday. you got to stick around. We're going to have Laura Teal, the Director of Sport Performance here at Long Beach State, on a little bit later. But first, Andy, welcome to your show. Gentlemen, as always, uh, the pleasure is mine. I hope everybody is doing well and had a great weekend. Did have a great weekend. Was out here doing some coverage. We're going to be talking about the 25th anniversary of the Walter Pyramid for a second because it's been been a celebration all year. It was a celebration on Saturday during the men's halftime where you guys brought back the first men's and women's basketball teams that played in the Walter Pyramid. Even Coach Seth Greenberg sent a message from Bristol, Connecticut, from the ESPN studios to say congratulations, and that playing in the Walter Pyramid was one of the highlights of his career. Yeah, it was a a really fun uh, event to to celebrate and recognize um, all those players. Uh, I know our fans really enjoyed seeing some of them hadn't uh, seen some of these guys in many, many years and, and, and vice versa. So, um, you know, appreciate Seth Bring, uh, Greenberg um, taping that for us. That was uh, pretty awesome. And uh, it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Dan Smith was having a lot of fun on the microphone as well because he knows those guys. So when he was calling their names out Just over the PA, yeah. it was the same way that he called it when they were Making buckets in the pyramid, that's cool. Yeah, no doubt. It, uh, it was almost like the, the flashback, right? The, yeah. uh, the time machine. <laughs> so I want to let's talk about the pyramid for a second, 25th anniversary. Andy, wh- I, I think I've told this story on the show of watching the pyramid get built from uh, elementary school across the street. But I'm always curious because to me it's always sort of been there. What is, what is your, what was your opinion the first time you heard that's what Long Beach State's building or the first time you saw it? It obviously – it's one of my favorite places in the world. It obviously doesn't really make sense, though, in many ways. <laughs> like, it's never aligned with the mascot of the school. It's not tied to the b- beach theme in any way. The color was not the color of the school. It was like, what was your thought the first time you sort of saw or heard about the pyramid? You know, I think unique uh, was my, my thought going, wow, that's uh, something I've never seen before. Right. And something that uh, <laughs> did not exist uh, in the United States, and especially in terms of uh, sporting venues. But I think it also is, uh, is special. I think when I walk into there, it is awe-inspiring. You walk in and look up and... You see the banners, the championships, the players, uh, the great players who have been here before. And uh, I think in our conference, um, in our world, it's an unbelievable venue. And there's not too many better venues that I can think of. Well, we've talked, JJ and I talk about this all the time, not just for sports either. I mean, it's, uh, you know, we've the number of things we've seen in there. We've been to great concerts in there, um, you know, uh, and not just the sports you'd expect. I've covered several sumo world championships. Yeah, championships. <laughs> in the A lot Walter of championships Pyramid. in yeah. that building. We saw the, uh, in addition to all the great Long Beach State memories, we saw the Drew League, Goodman League all-star game during the NBA lockout. So we saw Kevin Durant dunking on James Harden, you know. <laughs> it's yeah. just some, like, really unbelievable stuff that's happened in that building. Uh, I do have a story I don't think I've told about the pyramid from when I was a kid. I did come to the Wayne Morgan basketball camp, which was, I think, the first camp, if I'm remembering, the first camp they had here after it opened. And Sports um, goggles and all? Full-on sports goggles. <laughs> the heavy silicone, so you could punch yourself in the face as hard as you wanted in fourth grade, and nothing would happen. Um, and 
for lunch, uh, I don't think anyone who was working there at this time is still here, so I don't think I'm getting anyone in any legal trouble. Okay. <laughs> but for lunch, it was like a sack lunch deal, and they just turned us loose. So it was just like, you're in the pyramid, go nuts. <laughs> so all of the stands were raised. So the entire camp, there's literally no adult supervision. (laughs) My earmuffs are on right now. You know, early 90s, different time, right? So we literally all climbed up the stands and sat on the bench, like probably three from the top or something. (laughs) So one of the camp supervisors, which I think was probably like a sophomore on the team or something, walks out (laughs) just about has like a complete heart attack. I He's trying only, to get a good view. Yeah, yeah I would. Uh, I would have a hard time about it. <laughs> collapse right there. Not an experience you guys offer anymore. You know, you Snow, it's Snowflake University now. They don't. Yeah. They don't let kids endanger their lives at the basketball camps anymore. No, safety, <laughs> safety first, my friend. You guys had the basketball teams, like I said, and you're also going to do a volleyball reunion. A lot of more uh, cool events coming here in the 25th celebration. For the yeah, yeah, we really do want to honor uh, the legacy of those um, that were here when the building opened and. And uh, again, it, it's a lot of fun. Our fans get enjoyment out of it, the, the, the student athletes, the alums. It's just really great to, to, to reconnect people. Other events coming up. Mike and I are getting ready for the Century Club annual sports banquet. And there's going to be a lot of Long Beach State representation there on the, Monday. The 64th, I had to do the math in my head. It took me about five minutes <laughs> when we running the show. The 64th Century Club banquet uh, has honored quite a few Long Beach State greats over the years. And you're, you're right. This will be a beach-heavy event. Uh, TJ DeFalco, the Athlete of the Year, our College Athletes of the Year, Josh Tuninga and Haley Tigret, and then Alan Knight getting Coach of the Year again. Obviously. Um, yeah. yeah, those are all fairly – I'm on the board. JJ and I have been in the Century Club since, I think, the day after we became sports writers. Uh, Shout out do, Bill Baca. We do, MC, we do MC the banquet. My wife is a president this year, so we, uh, we've we spent quite a, a bit of time working on and around that banquet. And uh, – this would be the shortest deliberation I can remember for those awards. <laughs> that banquet's going to be a lot of fun. I think the best part is at the beginning, you know, the decade's over, and you and I covered the entire decade of Long Beach sports. Yeah, So for we sure. can really give a full view of the last 10 years, which if we're looking at the Century Club as a whole, is really, really improved in the last 10 years. Like, the, the – there's one in the building right now, but you know the presidents of the Century Club in the last few years have really done a good job of growing that, and yeah, I think you've sure. seen it too, Andy. Like when you came here, they were probably pretty close to the first and in, in, in front of the line to shake your hand. Yeah, yeah, just great stuff, and uh, something I think the entire city obviously can enjoy and celebrate, and and we're obviously honored, um, as you said, all of uh, those winners on our end, and I'm looking forward to being there. Yeah, it's it's gonna be fun. It's we we've always joked it's the Oscars. It's JJ and I are the only people there that know everyone because we cover the high schools, we know all the pro athletes, and we cover the colleges, obviously. So it's, it's sort of an exhausting. I'm actually it's actually gotten less exhausting since we started emceeing it because we have more of an excuse to be like we can't just shake everyone's hand. For That's four true. Hours. Right. That's right. true. We're on the clock. <laughs> yeah. We're on the clock. Sure. Yeah. Uh, the tournament coming to the weekend, uh, this weekend coming to Long Beach State, is the women's water polo tournament. So a lot of people are going to be working on the weekend as well on the clock. Uh, and then this, we got to mention the spring sports coming up just around the corner. Like the Dirtbags are having their banquet uh, early next month as well. Women's water polo, obviously volleyball is also a spring sport. Softball, tennis, track and field, beach volleyball, all of those sports about to start here on campus. And men's volleyball uh, already off to an undefeated start. Just beat uh, USC in the pyramid for their home opener to improve to 4-0. and uh, And I'm really excited for this Saturday. Uh, they're hosting number eight Pepperdine, Long Beach State, I believe up to number three uh, in the country this week. Hosting number eight Pepperdine uh, should be a really good match. And... 
they're going to raise the banner for the national championship from last year, which is exciting. That is pretty cool. Yeah, and it's actually a really good matchup. Um, this trying to be the 45th win at home for Long Beach State Men's Volleyball, a program record. Uh, and it's actually a big game against Pepperdine. Beach, waves, yeah, it's there. Yeah, you yeah, got to yeah, use yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. 43 and 43. That's the all-time uh, record really? against Pepperdine. Yeah. Long Beach has won the last five meetings. Have you mentioned that to Alan Knipe yet? I have not. Is that going to change something? <laughs> <laughs> He'll just, he, he's a student of the game. I think he'd be, curi- he'd be curious. And he probably that. already knows. Right. Um, it, you know, it was really funny because the last couple years, I think it's safe to say there were a lot of really new men's volleyball fans. You guys, you guys were at the printing factory minting quite a few new oh, yeah. fans of that sport, right? So everyone had sort of been talking to JJ and I about, oh, this great Long Beach State-UCLA rivalry um, and all this other stuff. And, I, and I, in my head, I was just sort of laughing. I was just like, it's Pepperdine. It's just, it's yeah. like Pepperdine's the school that I think JJ is this way with Fullerton basketball. Like whenever I hear Long Beach State Pepperdine men's volleyball, like part of my heart just clenches up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like you and I, our first several years covering the team, it was always an MPSF quarterfinal yep. match at, uh, up, up, at the, up the hill in Malibu. We'd go yeah. up and have a dinner we couldn't afford. Yep. We were making $100 a week or whatever. <laughs> and then watch uh, Long Beach State get their hearts broken by Pepperdine. Like that was the <laughs> annual routine. Uh, and it's been fun to see them get over on Pepperdine the last few years. And uh, But it's an even playing field this year for sure, and so it's fitting that it's 43 and 43. That should be a great one in the pyramid, in the Walter Pyramid, 7 p.m. on Saturday, and they'll be raising the banner. And you'll get a chance to see some of these new players like Spencer Oliver, the redshirt sophomore, who led the way uh, in that win against USC with a career-high 14 kills, career-high 14 digs, and four aces while hitting like 417 on the night. They need somebody to step up at the pin. It looked like Spencer could be that guy. Also, this weekend at the Pyramid, Long Beach State men's basketball unfortunately lost to Cal State Fullerton, 66-62. And in a, it was an exciting game. Dan Munson said after the game that it was hard fought. It wasn't the most well played. But uh, when you get Long Beach State and Fullerton together, you know it's going to be hard fought. The Beach going to have to uh, try and salvage one of these games from this three-game homestand on Wednesday, hosting UC Irvine. And that's a tough battle because yeah. the Anteaters, probably the best team in the conference right now. They also really like beating Long Beach State. I don't think that there's any – like, I don't think they uh, – Russell Turner has never been shy about that. That's clearly a game that they look forward to, whether yeah. it's at our place or their place. When he took over at Irvine, Long Beach State was the team to beat in the Big West. And that was and the case for about three straight right. years. The, and kid, the just, taste yeah. has never come out of his yeah. mouth. He likes right. it too much. <laughs> uh, this is not unprecedented for a Beach upset in this black and blue rivalry. Long Beach went to Irvine last year and upset the Anteaters uh, very early in the season. So maybe a repeat? I don't know. Certainly wouldn't hurt women's basketball team. Uh, even the slate at 2-2 two and two in the Big West, they gave CSUN their first Big West loss. That's another one where kind of a sneaky rivalry. Jason mm-hmm. Flowers at CSUN was yeah. assistant coach here. Really likes playing well against Long Beach State. I'm sure it was really burning up after that loss to the beach uh, as Long Beach State won 60-52 to as part of that doubleheader. They will be hosting Hawaii on Thursday at 7 p.m. and then traveling to UC Irvine Saturday at 2. My favorite thing about this team is how they play defense. They're just, like, in the passing lane all the time. Yeah. We watch a lot of basketball. I'll even lose track of the girls who are in the passing lane. 23 turnovers um, in that game against CSUN while holding uh, the Matadors to 33% shooting. But, yeah, they uh, they lead the conference in turnovers, lead the conference in turnover assist ratio. That's that's exciting basketball, yeah. man. They're playing good basketball, working their way back uh, from some spotty injuries. This has kind of been the case for the last couple of years. But playing well, and the, the way the Big West is, especially on the women's side, 
Um, it's very feasible that they could sort of rise into that top couple teams conversation and then make a run through that tournament. That is Thursday, 7 o'clock against Hawaii in the mid. Finally, women's tennis. we got to mention the senior, Natalia Munoz, who opened the 2020 spring season by capturing the singles championship here at Long Beach State at the Beach Tennis Winter Invite last weekend. She won all three sets on Sunday. And actually... The Beach won all of their matches on Sunday, going 12-0 on the final day. That's how you want to finish a tournament on your own turf. All right, before we bring on our special guest, I wanted to remind Long Beach State fans about the 562.org and all of the coverage we've had going on on the website. I think we posted 70-something stories last week. That includes video highlights, story, game stories, and photo galleries from all of your favorite Long Beach State teams. You can also find live updates on Twitter and interact with, uh, if not your favorite sports writers in Long Beach, at least two sports writers in Long Beach and JJ and myself. We now welcome on our special guest, the director of sport performance here at Long Beach State, Laura Teal. Laura, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, my pleasure. So uh, this is, I'm excited for this interview because usually on the LBF show, we have a coach or player and we're like, your season's coming up. How's the team look? What do you have going on? And I always think the better interviews are people like you who, you know, someone could be a diehard Long Beach State fan and have never heard of you, or right, or not have any idea what you do. And I'm always really interested in the kind of mechanics of that part of the athletic department. So uh, JJ mentioned director of sport performance. Can you, in as short a time as possible, sum up in very dummy terms what that means? <laughs> <laughs> we do all the strength and conditioning for our 19 athletic teams. So myself and two other coaches on staff, between the three of us, we work with all 19 teams and 350 athletes to help make them resilient, prepare them, do everything we can to get them ready for season um, and to stay healthy and continue to grow during our season through the year. So that's a lot of weight room stuff. Are you talking more like the way somebody feels? Uh, Both, right? So you're looking at mobility, stability, strength. Mm -hmm. All of those are components of what we do. Um, And you do those at different times during different parts of the year. Um, But our goal is one, to make our athletes resilient, Mm -hmm. and then also improve their sport performance on and off the field. So the Pelicans have an entire you assigned to Zion Williamson right now. That's what you're saying. (laughs) It's just like, let's just do the whole thing over from top to bottom. (laughs) Um, You you mentioned that. It was really interesting just using the, hearing you use the terms that you use because, you know, when JJ and I were in school here, there's an idea of a, a strength and conditioning coach, right? It's, it's a big, beefy guy with a neck that's thicker than your torso who's yelling at you to lift more weights, right? Like that, it was in sports for a long time. A strength and conditioning coach, that was sort of the archetype of it. And you're talking about being smarter, right? You're talking about preparation, not just in the weight room, but a much more 2020 advanced, holistic kind of an approach. Is that right? Sure. What we know in strength and conditioning now is leaps and bounds different than what we knew 30 years ago. And there's so many facets to the human body and to development. Um, So we try to continue to stay on top of our game to make sure that we're providing the best experience for our athletes and doing everything we can to build championship teams and individuals. Does that, staying on top of, does that mean reading research? Like what, what does that entail for you guys outside of the work you're doing with the, you know, the student athletes? Obviously reading new research that comes out. We work a lot with our kinesiology department, either on studies they're doing or learning from them. And then also trying things out on ourselves. The way most, <laughs> the way most people so have learned rat. is to do. Yes. I've done a lot of good and bad things on myself <laughs> and I've learned it in the process. How did you get involved in this? Are you originally from Southern California? I am. I was actually born and raised in Los Alamitos, right up the street. Okay, an athlete growing up, I assume. Did you go to Los Al? I did go to Los Al. Okay. okay. Um, yep. Um, so I grew up playing softball and soccer, doing gymnastics as well. 
Okay. Um, didn't continue that through college, but when I started training individuals um, and myself, what I started to notice was how that impacted life outside the gym. So the confidence you gained, what you what happened to your body, that transcended outside the gym walls, and that made me want to get into this industry and to keep doing this, and I've never looked back since. What's your favorite sport to work with? Oh, I love all my teams for different reasons. Oh, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> I assume you might have a closer connection with the sports that you play. Um, true. So here I work with softball and baseball are two of the sports that I work with. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of components to working with overhead athletes, which is very intriguing to me. And so um, it's What's always overhead interesting. Athlete? What does that mean? I'm a throwing athlete. Okay. So. Okay. Is water polo considered an overhead athlete? Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. What are some other ones we can think of? Javelin? <laughs> Yeah, javelin would definitely. Our throwers. Yeah. Volleyball? Uh, volleyball. <laughs> okay. All right. Mm-hmm. I would not have thought of those, but now that makes See, sense. See, but that's what I let JJ and I watch and write about and cover sports for a living like 80 hours a week, but I've never heard of that classification yeah. of sport because it's not the approach that, right? We are like, okay, who's good at scoring, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but even so, if you look at athletes, especially at this age of development, a lot of them come in with no lifting experience, no resistance training. Right. Right? So at that fundamental stage, everybody needs the same thing. They mm. need a squat they need a hinge they need a push they need a pull they need to learn how to move properly and then once you get towards our seniors or maybe our older athletes that we've worked with with years now we can get into the nit and gritty of the sport and that gets fun right but at the end of the day we all need we all need the same things same thing with you guys and me i still all need those yeah. things too. <laughs> right yeah there's another difference between us uh you woke up a lot earlier than mike and i did this morning you're the only person at long beach state today who didn't have to look for a parking spot on the first day of the spring semester when you're the first person here you get that front spot every day it's Which great makes sense there's a lot of those teams that do have the early morning waits and you have to be there so you're here when exactly uh we usually start around 5 30 because our first team start training at 5 30 a.m 5 30 a.m my goodness you're not starting it would make more sense to me to start tomorrow's work at 5 30 p.m today than 5 30 a.m tomorrow <laughs> for me but i understand have you always been a morning person i have been a morning person did that just come naturally I think so, but I think it's more I'm a, I'm a sleeper, so I tend to fall asleep at 8 o'clock. So okay. I get my 8, 9 hours, and I'm ready to go that next morning. <laughs> nice. so, so, so it's the middle of summer. It's Sunday. You're still up at about 5 o'clock in the morning. You don't, like, you don't sleep in on a weekend even? I'll wake up and lay there for about an hour. <laughs> Until <laughs> Do you get restless? <laughs> a little bit. And if I don't wake up, my dog does, because she wakes up with right. me every morning at 4.30. So she's like, hey, why are we still in yeah. bed? She doesn't know what the weekend is. Um, so if you're waking up that early, are you at full throat, full volume when you're trying to motivate somebody in the weight room? Or are you maybe not as vocal yeah, Are you waking the them up? Yeah, are you waking <laughs> them up? To be honest, I have probably more energy with my 6 a.m. team than I do with my 10 or 11 a.m. team. Okay. Okay. I am like in and ready to go. Yeah, that makes sense. Let's get it going. What better I'm, way to start your day than in the gym? No, I'm gonna be honest. I'm gonna be honest with you. That sounds like hell to me. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, it's funny, but I consider myself a morning gym person, which means that I went to the gym today at 9:30 in the morning after I dropped my kids off at school. So lifting weights at 6 a.m., man. Yeah, it's not for everybody. Our <laughs> athletes are committed. They are committed. That's right. To well, that's done. why I'm a writer and not an athlete. I guess. Uh, we were talking a little bit before the show about you watching the growth of an athlete from when they come in freshman year and stuff like that. Is there anybody that kind of sticks out maybe right now or from uh, the last two years that you just saw grow a lot that you really enjoyed working with? Um, there's been a couple. Um, one of our softball players, Ashley, she's one of our pitchers. She, uh, Her and I were chatting recently, and I said, oh, my gosh, your squat's looking so good. I'm so proud of how you're moving. And she said, wow, over the last year, 
it's not that my weights have gone up a ton, but the way I move, how I feel, even the way I look, it's all changed so much. And that's what you want to hear, mm-hmm. right? In building a championship individual, it's not just how much weight you're moving, but you know how you view yourself as an athlete and individual and your confidence and all right. of that. And it makes um, hearing that is kind of what you want to hear as a strength coach for sure. Right. How do you, what's, what's your number one motivation? Like Phil Jackson always gave his players a book to read, something that might speak to them individually. Do you speak to your players differently, like maybe a, one way this way, one way that way, like giving them different uh, avenues to improve themselves? Oh, 100%. Every athlete is different, and you need to recognize that they're a human first and an athlete second. And so how you communicate and approach that athlete and build trust with them and get their buy-in, it changes person to person. It's not a one-size-fits-all at all. Mm-hmm. That, that must be tough to learn. Because when you go in, you probably had a good idea of what you thought would work. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And then I, I've even had to catch myself to not judge before I know all the information. So if someone comes to me as I'm going to miss weights, okay, why are you going to miss weights? Your instant reaction is, this isn't right. And right. then they tell you a really great reason. Right. Like, oh, I feel so <laughs> yeah. bad that my initial response was, you're not going to be there. <laughs> right, um, right, right. So just as a coach, I've, I've learned to, you know, learn more, judge second. Right. <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah for good. sure. Well, I think that's, I mean, like we talked about, that's the difference in your work and your position from 10 years ago, 20 years ago to now. Right. I mean, I'm sure that it didn't used to be that way. Like strength and conditioning coaches maybe weren't always the person that was going to think of an athlete as a human being first. Right. Do you find I mean, have you had to sort of overcome some of those stereotypes in changing the way that, you know, that, the, that you're applying the work that you're doing? Is it surprising to some people, maybe some of the, you know, older fans here or something that things are so much more modernized now, I guess? Yeah, definitely. You hear that more. Um, So even a lot of our coaches and assistant coaches were once players here and they're like, oh, wow, this is different than what we did before, (laughs) but they see the value in it. And even how they train might have changed because of that. Um, And even, even with our athletes, I think for some people, they might not have ever had a female strength and conditioning coach. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Oh yeah, that's a good point. I mean, was that, was that a, was that a challenge for you when you first started out? I mean, it is, I, I mentioned the stereotype, right? The stereotype is like, at Orgeron, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That it's like you start out as the big beefy guy who's sort of barking orders. Was that hard for you when you first got in to be like, you know, hey, I'm good at this. It doesn't matter, <laughs> it doesn't matter what your stereotype is? Um, I don't know if it was difficult. I tend to be a loud person and here I am <laughs> in the room and if you don't like it, I'm sorry. Right. Um, but again, if you recognize that in somebody, the way you approach them is just different. So again, it's back to communication. How do you create yeah. buy-in from your athletes regardless of their judgment of you? It's just how they're going to perceive you and how you can work with them to change that perception. And the minute um, the minute they see things going along or they, they see us as strength coaches lifting, they're like, oh, maybe you do know more than I do. Maybe yeah. you do know what you're doing. So that helps too. Uh, I, I saw a meme the other day on Instagram that was great, and it was a picture of a gym, and it said, everybody thinks this is the hard part. And then the second picture was vegetables, and it said, this is actually the hard part. <laughs> Um, there was a recent improvements to the nutrition center. Wow, here that, at Long yeah, Beach that was State. a direct hit like on that? me, Jay. Yeah, Thanks. Like that? Um, uh, talk about how difficult that is trying to get a college student to eat healthy. Uh, it's challenging because really they don't have a lot of time, right? But being a student athlete, there is a lot of time commitment, and to be really on top of your diet, you need to plan, prepare, and prep. Um, and I think one of the biggest things is when since we've brought on our nutritionist, she's been amazing and really helping to change the way people look at nutrition, how they can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she's been just an awesome addition to our athletic staff here and what she's done with the Nutrition Center and offering 
nutrition to athletes that they can take has been um, a game changer. So we see actually a lot of people asking more questions, wanting to do more, caring more than maybe they did in the past. So that's been wonderful. So it's like knowing what you're going to have for lunch tomorrow is the first step to getting healthy. Right? Because I always think like, if I'm thinking about the meal after the meal, I'm like, oh, this is too much. I can't can't think about this. But like, I know some friends who work out a lot and I'll go in the refrigerator and they'll have Tupperware with days on it. Like, here's Monday, here's Tuesday, here's Wednesday. Is that what you're talking about? Welcome to my fridge. That's what my fridge looks like. Uh, but for a student athlete, they need to prepare their whole day, right? Because yeah. they need to be prepared before they go into their workout, or before they go to practice, and then after practice. Like so, their days are longer, and their needs are much greater. Um, and she does a great job of talking about that and helping people understand that. But yeah, you gotta you gotta have foresight into what you're gonna be eating. I think to be successful. I have a uh, friend who's a dentist, and sometimes when we'll be out, I'll make fun of him and I'll say, you're just staring at everyone's teeth right now, aren't you? You know, it's just like, that's just the thing you do sometimes, it's sort of the window that you see the world through. Do you, you know, will you be at a baseball game or something and just like looking at a fan like, oh, they should be sitting like this? <laughs> or, you know, I mean, do you, like, do you, do you, your, your job is the human body, right? I mean, do you think about that outside of work as well about, is that just something that, I wouldn't say preoccupies you, are you thinking about it a lot? Or is it just, I'm clocking in, I'm helping these kids and then I'm a relatively normal person. <laughs> well, you, you notice those things when you're out in public, but I think one of the best stories is my first date with my fiance. We went to an angel game and we met for like a light dinner before the game. And he told me later, he said, I knew that on this first date, I wasn't sure. I knew you were a strength coach. I knew you were like into fitness, but I was like, is she going to order a salad and that's all she's going to eat? <laughs> he's like, and if you did that, I don't think I would have been able to do that. But we had fries and, you know, we, we were able to relax. I kind of go by this 80-20 rule. So I'm not judgmental to what people do. I just want my athletes to understand what they need to do to be successful. That's great. I think that's the difference. But I apparently I made it through that first date pretty that's well. Great. I'm glad I didn't order a salad on that night. <laughs> well, you, you said you, uh, you're commuting in. You're coming in early what what's your favorite part about coming into long beach state every day aside from that front row parking spot yeah aside from here. the yeah VIP. that i've never once seen in <laughs> 20 years around the school yes um, i love being able to walk into the pyramid the pyramid is iconic and when you come into that sport complex that feeling that kind of overwhelms you mm-hmm. you're just like oh wow i get to be part of such a great organization such a great um kind of commitment to growing athletics and growing the student athlete um, and so you come in and that just kind of gets you a little excited yeah um, and then I have my two hard-boiled eggs drink a little bit of coffee and we're ready to go <laughs> I love it man today I'm motivated are you <laughs> I'm ready to go I'm, I'm going back gym to tomorrow? the gym I'm going back to the gym right now I just came from the gym I'm going back to the gym. <laughs> that's what I'm gonna do I like it we need Laura on the show more I'm I think saying, that's what yes. that means thank you so much for taking the time Laura I really appreciate it and uh, best of luck the rest of the way this year thank you so much That's just another great person here at this great place that is Long Beach State. Thank you again to Laura for coming on the show. We're bringing back Andy for our outro and our week, our bi-weekly, excuse me, food recommendations. Andy. (laughs) We only eat once every two weeks, JJ. Uh, Do you have a food recommendation for LB Nation? I do, and I've kind of gone there before, but I'm going to continue to celebrate it because it is National Soup Month. In nice. January. Yes. So uh, if you didn't know it, now you do. Uh, <laughs> I am going to suggest uh, one of uh, one of my favorites, a spinach tomato tortellini soup. Nice. Ooh, so that, that does sound very good. Yeah. So I'm a big tortellini guy and a big soup guy, but uh, continue to celebrate it for the next couple days. I like it. I'll stay with that pasta theme. 
Uh, my wife Vanessa brought the mushroom ravioli back from Trader Joe's last good night call, good and call. then made a mushroom sauce on top of it. Oh, it was amazing. It Talk about jumping into the top three. I don't know. <laughs> it, might, it might get there. You're, you're just like a, a prisoner of the moment all the time. You're constantly kind knocking of, yeah. stuff out of the top three, yeah. JJ. Well, listen, I, I took one bite and it tasted like <laughs> La Strada. And I was like, wow. Oh, this is, this is nice. up here now. Yeah, you can't, yeah, you can't beat that for sure. Uh, well, since uh, I think I'm the only one of the three of us that's Italian, I will stay with the Italian theme nice. and recommend uh, minestrone soup. They have a great uh, minestrone at La Strada. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think I've ever had a minestrone that I did not like, uh, including my own. I make a decent minestrone. It wouldn't be in your top three. <laughs> Oh, but it's, ouch. It's pretty good, though. It is pretty good, though. All right. We got to get out of here, get back to covering local sports at the562.org and getting ready for our next episode of the LB Fee Show, which is coming at you in two weeks. So for producer Roger, Andy, JJ, Mike, everybody who helps get this show up, thank you for listening, and we'll see you in the stands. Take care.